0: This is Web Suasion Conversation, episode 24. the show. I am Ryan Williams, president and founder of the Web Suasion Group and Kapoka Studios here at Pinewood Atlanta Studios in Fayetteville, Georgia. Today on the show, we have Liz Parker, president of LT Consultants, Inc. She uses the three Ps, purpose, passion, and practicality to inspire, coach, challenge, and facilitate leadership teams. She's also a Vistage chair and is going to tell us a little bit about what Vistage does for members. So Liz has an extensive background in logistics and logistics is a very data heavy industry. So consultants like Liz are great referral partners for us here at the Web Suasion Group. She is generally dealing with teams that communicate across the globe, tracking information that can get very complicated and using existing software that needs integration. And that is something that we do here at WebSuasion. We design applications that are custom, that integrate with existing out-of-the-box software. So anytime a company cannot get what they need out of their ERP software, as long as there is something called an API that allows us to connect to that software and transmit data back and forth, we can build whatever we need in the middle, often called middleware, that will provide for the executives of that company and the managers of that facility, whatever they need. Often we are pulling data together from several different systems, generating reports showing where they're most effective and where there are breakdowns in the process. If you are a company or know a company who is having trouble getting what they need out of their out-of-the-box software, give us a call here at WebSuasion Suasion, 404-418-8909. I am extension 10, that's Ryan Williams. Give me a call and we'll set up a consultation and I'm happy to see what we can do for you. So now let's talk to Liz Parker. Ms. Parker, thanks for being on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for the invitation.
0: Coming all the way down from South Carolina to see us, right?
1: I am, I am. Greenville, South Carolina.
0: So originally, though, you grew up in, did you grow up in Omaha or did you? I grew
1: up in Iowa. Iowa. and I And I was over in Omaha frequently for the airport.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. So, because you went to university in Omaha and you were in Iowa and then you also went to Michigan as well. Yes. You got several degrees. Yes. um, what was what initially was your interest when you went to school?
1: Interest was more around kind of logistics, um, okay. doing the industrial side of business. Um, there weren't a lot of women in industrial supplies, and right. there were not a lot of women in freight forwarding, so it was one of those where I was just kind of drawn to that. My father was a construction superintendent, so gotcha. we were we were his crew as young children, so we just learned how to do the work.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> and initially, was it under a sales capacity, or is that just what you transitioned yes, to? it
1: was under a sales capacity. So it's I have been a talker all my life, and my father's like, I don't know if there's a job out there for you or not that involves talking, <laughs> but if there is, you're going to get it. So well, sales that it. was sales. That was <laughs> <Right>. sales. So <laughs> so you were with
0: DHL for like 13 years then, right?
1: I was. I loved DHL. We had a great time. I went out to Chicago and worked with them in Chicago and then had an opportunity to go into sales training. So I went from Chicago to South Bend, Indiana, and then to Hong Kong.
0: Hong Kong. Yeah. Wow. So everything that's going on now in Hong Kong must be eye opening.
1: It is amazing. I still have one of my bosses over there. So we keep in touch about what's going on. And it is just an incredible thing. Are they doing okay? They are doing okay. But it is hard to get in and out of the airports from what it is. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. So
0: uh, what made you transition away from DHL then?
1: I had the opportunity. DHL wanted me to move into Brussels and do some things at the world headquarters. And I had a young son then, and I was separated. So I was on right. my own. And the owner of DHL at that point in Hong Kong wanted me to do some strategic planning for his nonprofit foundation. Uh-huh. So I started working with uh, nonprofits with Arthur Anderson as an independent consultant and got a chance to really get into that. And I just absolutely loved the strategic planning.
0: That was independently of DHL? though. That, at that was point?
1: independent. So I went out on my own. In fact, I met him on a Friday. He said he needed somebody to work with his company, uh-huh. his, his nonprofit, but he didn't want an employee. So he said, you need to work for yourself. And I was like, okay. So on Monday, <laughs> he introduced me to somebody. And from Friday to Monday, I had my own business. How'd and I t- this year is my 20th anniversary. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: Quickly spin up an S Corp or LLC. <laughs> yes, and going, that huh?
1: was it. It was an S Corp, and it was just like that. Yep. <laughs>
0: So uh, tell me more about what you do with LT Consultants. I know you're coming into companies and you've got a lot of different assessments and facilitation stuff that you do, but tell me what the process is and how you kind of get started.
1: So what I have done through the years, as you can imagine, businesses change and evolve as they go. So after 20 years, even my business has done that. So I think I've started the business probably you know, five or six different times Time's in that period. So where I am now is really looking with um, entrepreneurs to see what they are doing as far as how they are growing, what obstacles they face, what challenges they have, figuring out if they are in the right lane. Uh There is a program called The Seven Stages of Entrepreneurial Growth that James Fisher originally put together uh, back in the 80s. And the assessment company I work with, TTI, has actually created what we call Uh X-rays. So you're able to work with the leadership team and have them actually take an assessment for their stage of growth and tell them what the business challenges are that they are facing and how to overcome those. To me, it was like, how does no one know about this it's right. like the golden answers to everything
0: yeah yeah so I mean do you take businesses along anywhere on that scale of those seven yes. stages okay, yes so and they can be
1: anywhere from startups to all the way up to 750 the in small business small and medium-sized business 750 employees yeah. is usually kind of where the top of that is okay but normally in multinationals because in Hong Kong I worked with a lot of the multinationals that would come over and start their offices there right. and normally what happens when you get to be that size you end up kind of breaking down into business units departments whatever you need to do and it's almost like another startup right so that mentality still goes through and that innovation still happens and you're
0: helping them to work virtually on a lot of these projects right yes yes Just because so, the teams are so big they're just spread out over all, all over the world
1: the, the yeah. whole way business is working is we can be so much more efficient if we can do that. And globally, it just makes it so much easier other than time zones and trying to stay awake to right. talk to each other. Right. Um, but yeah, virtually they can do it all.
0: And do you find that anything is lost in those virtual meetings versus physical?
1: You know, now that we can do it with the video screens and it's so easy to sit at your desk and actually get that visual connection. Yeah. In the past, doing it over the phone, it did lose some things. But right. now when we can do this over video, it is totally impressive on how you can and just connect with people and instantly see what's going on
0: we know they're wearing that
1: business stuff on top and the shorts <laughs> on the bottom
0: <laughs> right right everything below the desk is, that's you know. right <laughs> Gotcha. Um, So with facilitation stuff, when you're going in with a company, how are you working with them as a facilitator?
1: So what I tend to do is first talk to the business owners and find out what they're trying to achieve with their teams. And Mm -hmm. once I get with the teams, we figure out what that agenda is. Now, a lot of times we might have a set plan that we're going to go forward with their strategic planning. Uh So we may look at vision, we may look at mission and values. I like to start there if they don't have that, because the values are really the basis for how people are going to make their decisions and who wants to work for you, Right. so I will tend to do that, but I do let the groups, when I'm facilitating a meeting, I want the group to own it, so we might build an agenda together, I might have a loose one together, but we may go where the group needs to go. Right. There's always going to be some objectives that we set, and I am all about being practical. I don't like to waste time, so we're going to be practical, we're going to have fun, and we're going to do it with purpose. So my whole role is to make sure that whatever we come up with is documented and ready to put into action.
0: Right, and is that part of the finding interventions aspect of what you talk about? It
1: is, because certain companies like to do things different ways. So some may like some kind of process where they may do the scaling up. Um, Some may wanna do traction, which is a big thing right now. Others may wanna do some other method. So I am able to kind of talk to the organization, pick up what they have already, Uh and then build on that. If people know strength finders, I'm a big maximizer. So I like to take what's already there, and build on to that and figure out what we can do to make that even better and take them to the next level.
0: Talk a little bit more about traction. Explain explain what that so, means.
1: So there is different business processes out there and the book Traction is one of those that is a very common EOS is the provider of that okay. and in that process people are able to look and see where they are in the business as far as their people skills, their data, their visions and their missions, and figure out what they need to do as far as the issues go right. and how to really get traction and move forward. So that process is almost becoming kind of a generic language now okay, okay. Um, but they really have put the baseline into place so people could just take that concept and people have worked off of that so right
0: what do you find when you go into these businesses what's the biggest mistakes they tend to be making do they are they all over the place or is there some specific ones that are well, common
1: they can be all over the place but usually what happens is the CEO is way too involved right. um, they think they're bigger than they are so you kind of have to back them up a little bit and say hey Here are the business challenges you need to get right now. It might have to be, you got to be out there selling every day. you got to be out there building your capital. You have to be out there Uh um, making sure that you're getting the right people in. So as you look at these 27 business challenges that people have, I'm able to provide a few of those solutions, but I have a network of people I can go to to help them get on track, or it's a matter of just giving them some structure and their own people do it. I'm all about building from within, that a consultant should come in, be able to help you, and then move out you don't want to be hiring them for the rest of your lives
0: right right (laughs) You're not, you're not hiring an employee, you're hiring that somebody That is to get, exactly
1: it, is somebody to get you on track.
0: So what's a good indication that a company needs someone like you?
1: Usually, when I really come in, it tends to be companies that have employees of about 30 or more. Okay. The smaller companies I'll do one-on-one coaching for, they can usually kind of fine-tune that till they get to the next level. But the complexity comes with employees. Okay. So as you get more and more employees, then it becomes more difficult to step away from being the guy or the woman that was in control as a CEO. Right. And start to delegate, start to form those departments, the processes. That's all the stuff that most entrepreneurs are like, I did this because I had a passion and I wanted to get involved. And as you get bigger and scale up, you really do have to find those right fits. So I do a lot of things like job benchmarks Uh that help you find those superior performers and say, who is it that's the best fit for this? So you're not wasting time and money.
0: Well, going back to your own business. Yes. do you have a staff or is it mostly just you right It's now?
1: mostly me, but okay. I end up having a group of consultants and a group of people like you that right. I would call on. One of my other roles, if you don't mind me saying, is being a Vistage
0: chair. Yeah, talk about Vistage a little Yeah, bit.
1: so Vistage is a CEO peer advisory board. So CEOs get together, come in, because they're at the top, all alone, isolated. They right. don't usually have anybody else they can bounce their ideas off of. So the idea behind this, it's a peer advisory board of coming in with other CEOs who have similar problems. Hearing it from a different perspective and being able to deal with what's in front of them to get better solutions, we don't tell them what to do. We just say, hey, here's an option. Here's something to consider.
0: Unvarnished opinion.
1: Unvarnished opinion. And you remember. So based on that, we look at this and say, how can we help each other? And the values of trust, challenging each Mm -hmm. other, making sure that you're open and and hear what people have to say is a real core value of Vistage. So it's one of the things. Yeah. Oh, accountability, right? <clears throat> Every month you come back and it's like, if you didn't do your stuff, you better, right. ever, better have a reason for what happened. And for <laughs> me,
0: a big issue was just always trying to figure out what am I even going to talk about? Do I have any problems? I don't think I have any problems. I'm stressed, <laughs> but I'm not pinpointing. <laughs> like it, you know, it sort of makes you think about like, what is it that's really, you know, bugging me? Right you know, now and one
1: about. of the one of the big pieces about that is the issue processing that we do, which yeah. is the core piece of Vistage that we do walk in and we're like, I am so overwhelmed. I'm so stressed. And, and that they're like but I don't have anything I need to talk about. It's exactly. Like, "Oh, really?" Yeah, yeah. So, just having that time and that space to know that you have other people that you can really trust allows you to open up and really be able to share that.
0: Absolutely. And you're starting to do speaking as well as you as being I a vistage chair, right?
1: I am. So, I'm looking at transitioning from a vistage chair into a vistage speaker. Okay. And one of the advantages of that is being able to be out with other CEOs across the nation, across the world. I mean, we are global. So, right. we have 22 thousand members so as i look at this i realize i have a core group that i want to stay with and yet yeah. i feel like this message of the seven stages of entrepreneurial growth is so big it's so unnoticed sometimes out there mm-hmm. people have so many different processes but i feel like as we look at these business challenges they're facing if they realize which lane to stay in they can save money right they can break through those barriers that are holding them back i had a client i worked with down in texas he'd been in business for years it was a family business but for 13 years they had not grown right they had been stagnant in their growth and when we went back to look at it he was clear up here at the strategic growth in stage six but in stage one you write your vision your mission and your values so Uh if any of the listeners or any of the viewers have never done that that's the first step. If they just write their vision, their values, and the mission that they want to do, they'll have that core set and that's the first thing they can do. And
0: how do you define vision in that stage?
1: Well, I go from Patrick Lynchioni's model of the advantage. I love the why do we exist? Okay. I look at why is it that I decided to create this business? What's my core? Because once I can define what my core is, I will bring people that have that same vision. When you try and put something out there that's too technical or structured, yeah. You know, I'm about making sure that we uncover potential in people. And what that means is also having the owner uncover the potential they have in their business because the owner and the business should be aligned. Right. And when that happens, magic happens.
0: Do you really know that at that first stage though? I have to say with my business, I stumbled into a lot of what we do really well now. We've kind of found our niche. I know it, it's gonna be different for everybody, but how often do you have to go back and like reevaluate that vision? Cause it's gonna change.
1: Well, you know, years ago when I started, (laughs) 20 years ago when we looked at it it was usually looking at it maybe in a 10 year scope now because of the way the world's changing and how fast the world is changing technology changes so fast people are looking at their visions about every 3 to 5 years and then from that you can go in and do your strategic plan and really look at what is it we're trying to achieve this year in alignment with that goal and that vision and you find yourself moving I mean people are moving at phenomenal speeds now that we weren't moving at before
0: yeah, yeah. Everybody gets so specialized too. And and you just don't know what that specialty is when you start out. But just make your best guess. kind of. Well, first you going know, the it.
1: sad thing is I wish I could say there was a huge formula to this. Yeah. But it is about uncovering and discovering what it really is that you want to do and what that is. You know, we're all here to help each other in this world. It's just how do we do it? Right. And you find that out by doing some of the wrong things. Yep. And hopefully along the way you get guides that help put you in the right spot. And I look at it as I'm a guide. Uh-huh. I show up to help you find that pathway that will be more easy to go down than finding all those mistakes. It's not a perfect I, route ever. I mean, if we had that path laid out, it wouldn't be our path.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of mistakes, um, you've, I'm sure you've redone your own vision for your own yes. company over the years. I'm, that's changed. Uh, is there anything that you would have done differently or done sooner?
1: Probably gotten more support. Okay. Um, I have found that I am not an administrative person. And that's one of the reasons that I'm kind of going into speaking from being a chair because the administrative side is such a challenge if you don't have those skills and that part of the assessments that I do will help you look at what you do well and Mm -hmm. what you don't and I've known all along I don't do it well but I was too cheap and I never wanted to pay for it and in the long run I had a Vistage group that I've been a Vistage member for eight years so I had a Vistage group that said that is not your expertise go hire it and I'm like oh once I did it was like revolutionary.
0: It's the hardest <laughs> lesson to learn. I mean, that was one of the first lessons I learned in business was just that you can't be good at everything. And, you know, you have to identify when somebody can do a job better than you and and hire them. Well, <laughs> Fire and, you know, yourself. that is exactly
1: yeah. it. But part of our egos, what is interesting, because as an entrepreneur, you think you can do it all. Well, and
0: you have to be involved in so many parts at the <laughs> yes. beginning. So, you know, yes, it's you hard do to do it all. all. Yeah, I'm. T- I have a hard time with delegation sometimes. So,
1: <laughs> well, you're yeah. not the only one, so don't feel yeah, bad yeah, yeah, about exactly. that. <laughs>
0: well, that's that's one of the nice things about Vistages. You kind of start hearing everybody have the same problems, and you don't quite and feel so alone, alone with it. Yep. <laughs> So what are you looking forward to moving forward into 2020?
1: Well, what you just said, I am redoing my vision again. I am looking at it and saying, hey, I have hit another level. The 20-year mark is looking different. It's like the the landscape has changed, the kids are gone, the parents are gone, I have freedom that I didn't have before, and I've been home not traveling very much, and my history's always been traveling. So I find that I really get a kick out of being out there and working with other people, out in front of groups to facilitate. So I need to get back out on the road and I need to start doing some things more nationwide. I love Greenville. I love being there and with the group of people that I'm with, but I think there's more I can do as well. So I am restructuring my vision to start to look and see how I can help do entrepreneurial growth and make these businesses grow even more.
0: And that'll work out well in conjunction with the VISTA speaking, because you're actually going around from team to team and presenting at these teams.
1: Yes, that's exactly it. So no matter what happens, whether they hire me or not isn't the point. That's the part about it. You get the information, Mm -hmm. you see what you can take, you put in place what you can, and then you go from there. As you know, Vistage is all about giving whatever you can give. And when you give, then you get things back. And I have just found that that is the group of people I really do enjoy. Now, not every one of my clients is in Vistage, but I do find they have that same mentality where they want to be challenged, they want to grow, and they want to see what they can do next. What's that next chapter look like? like or that next level
0: if you had any one suggestion to a new business or a business that's just trying to grow what would that be right now not mistakes they've made but just like one tidbit of information that they should be uh, focused on
1: it would be be true to yourself what we end up doing is, and this is true for me, I mean, I've gone through this in my own career, is when you try to be something for other people, yeah. it isn't what it is. When you are living the truth and the dream that you have inside you, people will say to you, you are crazy. What are you doing? But if that passion is in you, you need to follow that dream and you need to find people who will support you. Right. And what I have found through time is those people will come out of the woodwork once you're true to yourself. But if you are miss Aligned. if you are and here's what I found this year, if you are sick, if you are not sleeping, right. if you are not able to get the finances in place, if those things are happening, it means you're out of alignment somewhere. Reach out and ask for some support because right. that's what I do for people is I sit with them and say, what do we need to do to get your business in alignment of what you do and what you want to do right And a lot of times there's just a bit of a disconnect and once you're in alignment, everything falls into place right. so when be true to yourself
0: when you're in the heat of it it seems like insurmountable problems but somebody else can come in and go oh you just need to go to and do this yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: well and one of the things that is really hard is, you know in Vistage, is we don't tell you what to do we like you to self-discover it so yeah. we try to ask those questions on things like what are you contributing to the problem right you know where are your fingerprints on this
0: yeah there is a <laughs> lot of like you know you know, we're, we're, what is self. your role in this issue? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: and, you know, I think that's the piece that I love more than anything else, because as we grow as business leaders, we should evolve as better people as well. Should. That's yeah. a terrible thing to say. Not everybody has to do that. But we find that as you are growing, then you are modeling that for other people. And, and it's just one of those things that as you look at your own self and you have self-reflection, people will start to be more vulnerable, be more open. And as soon as you provide that safety and security, that's one of the things things that comes to mind you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs for years i've looked at that as psychologically you've got your physiological on the bottom level you're going to have food and shelter and then uh-huh. you got safety and then you have belonging then, self, then you get the goal achievement and then self-actualization. What I found is that at home, we might walk in and there's just a mess going on. You've got kids everywhere. Right. The, the husband, you don't even know if he's going to be there the next day. Whatever happens, right? You fall clear down to that low level of being in that safety and security. And the next thing you know, you go out to work and you're expected to perform at this high self-actualization level. Yeah. And what happens is if as an employer, you do not give that safety and security for your people, they can't perform at that higher level that you need. So if they're worried about their job, if they're worried about what's going to happen at the organization, if there is gossip and cattiness going on and people don't feel like they belong, you will not get the best from your people. So if you can provide that level of security, Mm -hmm. you will get much better performance.
0: So you're looking at that on a personal level and then also an organizational level as well.
1: Yes. And that is part of what I'm looking at as I go into 2020 is just, how does this all fit together because right. there is so much in here that if we're not right our businesses aren't right and if we're not right and our businesses aren't right then our employees aren't productive our employees aren't satisfied and we're not helping the world
0: you talked about finding your own way kind of hoeing your own way with the the business. Um, do you find a lot of businesses kind of look to their competition a little too much sometimes and model themselves after it? Or what do they, you know, how much do you need to be looking at your competition and how much do you just need to like figure your own thing out?
1: Oh, Ryan, that is really good. That is a big aha. I mean, truly, when I think about the way that I do business with companies, You know, they want to look at the competition. They want to go out. They want to see their SWOT analysis. They want to see their strengths, their weaknesses, their opportunities, their threats. It is important to do that. But you are right. That is one of the things that I have never pushed in an organization is to say, what's the competition doing? Because in your core, if you have a belief and a way to do that, there is enough business out there for all of us. It is about just finding that niche. And every one of us brings something different. So if we bring something different, who cares what the competition is? doing. We're each different. Yeah. I used to have people that will say, well, you know, who's out there that, you know, like you? And I'm like, nobody.
0: Right, And that should be the way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what, and that's, that's the, the way for
1: all of us. And I yeah. mean, in your business, as you look at how you do this whole podcasting and you look at video podcasting, who the heck's out there doing it?
0: Not many about this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And the fact is they won't do it like you. Yep. So when you look at that, to me, All these things that we run across for the organizations, it's about sharing it, making sure that we communicate it, figuring out how we help each other. And in the process, we all make money doing it as well. We are not in this to like be freebies. I mean, we are in this to make some money. But in doing that, we all grow together.
0: Web development is primarily what we do. That's about 80% of our business. We're doing like large scale systems and stuff. But we grew into that. So, you know, when we started out, it was like we take a website design job. We take little things that just because we saw everybody else was doing it and we knew we could do better than them, but it wasn't necessarily the most profitable job for us.
1: So keep going with that. Tell me then how did you find that if you didn't want to do one thing and you were better at doing another, how did you make yourself do it?
0: We had to find where everyone else was dropping the ball that we weren't. So like once we saw this is what we do effectively and everybody else seems to be like these projects are just dying because they're too complex or whatever, they weren't doing architecture or whatever they needed to do beforehand to get to that point. but the Simple things, you know, that we were like, well, we could do that. We could, we could get, you know, a hundred jobs like that. But it was just absolutely boring work. It is boring <laughs> and work. It wasn't right? what we were trying to do. So we, over the last few years, we've shifted towards doing more things that excite us. Number one, and number two, that we know that we can do this better than what we're seeing out there.
1: And now that you know that, are you able to communicate it and articulate it better so that you can find those people?
0: Getting better at that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm also a member of a, a, a referral network group and part of that system is going through and every week standing up and talking about some specific aspect of what you do that along with Vistage Vistage more from the business development uh, yes. for, from the internal business development side and then this from the this is how I talk to the public about what I do
1: yeah so as you go through that what's one of the biggest ahas you've had through that whole process
0: for me it's just been that I need to get simpler and simpler and simpler in what I'm describing because we're, we were used to having a technical conversation with people that we would get referred to they were already working with developers they knew kind of what was going on and what they needed. Now I'm going to the general public and to CEOs that are much higher level, and we really need to talk about results and not Bingo. how we do it. You know?
1: <laughs> Bingo. We don't care how it gets done as long as you tell us that something done. good's going to come out of it, right? Exactly. So you have done the same thing. So if you look at your length of time, you had to go through that. Do you find yourself continuing to revolve your business?
0: I do. I do. I think it's a continuous process, um, and it's, you know. It's intimidating to know where to stop, actually, because you can kind of keep evolving too quickly, almost, and, and lose sight of things sometimes. But uh, tell me, with you, like when you started out, how has that evolved? How's that process? What did you think you were going to be doing? And what did oh, you end up that doing? is
1: so good. I started out doing life coaching in Hong Kong, okay, and I was like working individual- when I was doing the strategic planning. I was doing strategic planning on one hand, and I was doing life coaching with individuals on individuals, another. Yeah, and so as I was doing the work, what I was finding is you know it was always interesting to get with the individuals and see what they were doing and have these kind of conversations, which I found rewarding. But I also found that with teams, if I could get the teams talking to each other, it uh. seemed to just expand phenomenally as far as what the business could do, what they could do, how they could grow, how they saw themselves in a much faster rate. And I also have found that through working with teams, they get their own self-assessment very quickly. Yeah. So instead of having to coach one person one at a time, all of a sudden you have 12 people that all are like, oh, I'm doing that. Totally switches behavior immediately in a
0: business. So those two completely separated things came together for you as well. They did. They did.
1: And again, just like you, we continue to evolve. And this is what I do with businesses. I just sit down and start talking with them and we figure out what they need to do and what's next.
0: Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, be that Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see video excerpts of the interview segments here on the show. We share usually about 10 to 12 a week. They go out to social media and to our YouTube channel. You can also share those to your own social media feeds for a little extra networking content throughout the week. Next week on the show, we have Nermeen Jasani, a former Wall Street attorney and former tech startup entrepreneur who now runs Highland Oak Group. She has worked with hundreds of business owners providing her proven methodology to increase revenue that is based on calculated, intentional, and results-driven metrics. Hope you'll join us, and until then, have a productive work week.